0: Welcome to Disaffected. I'm Joshua Slocum, and this is the show where we talk about politics, culture, and relationships through a psychological lens. This week, we are going to talk about the Department of Homeland Security Disinformation Governance Board. We're going to talk about abortion and the leaked draft Supreme Court opinion that appears to overturn Roe v.ersus Wade. And we're going to end up with troons in bathing suits and more stories from my days as a diner waitress. Let's jump right into the Department of Homeland Security's Disinformation Governance Board. (laughs) Mm. I'm going to use an Associated Press article to summarize this for you. Quote There is little credible information about the new Disinformation Governance Board, and that has made it an instant target for criticism. The board, part of the Department of Homeland Security, was announced last week. But DHS has released few details on how the board will function and what powers it will have. Next one. Department of Homeland Security Alejandro Mayorkas was attacked again Wednesday by Republican members of Congress who have already called for the board to be disbanded. Some civil liberties advocates also worried that the group could violate freedom of speech. A.P., Are you sure that Secretary Mayorkas was attacked? Are you sure about that? Is it possible that instead of being attacked, he was criticized? Maybe? Or was it a violence? Did they do a violence on him because they disagreed with him? Okay. Just for next time. (laughs) Then they say, With disinformation campaigns working to shape opinions on everything from the war in Ukraine to the presidential election in the United States, the rocky start for the board may undermine its effectiveness and hurt the efforts to stanch the harm that false narratives can cause, end quote. Okay. You see how good I am? I even correct things when I'm reading them. A.P., the word is stanch, not staunch, staunch is when you stand firm in a position. Stanch is when you stop things, like you stanch a bleed, okay? It's different. Look up your style book. Notice how the Associated Press just simply states, without qualification, they simply state that there are, quote, disinformation campaigns working to shape opinions. Are they really? Because we were told that Russian disinformation is what got Donald Trump elected. been hearing a lot about Russian disinformation. We have been since 2016. And I can't remember who pointed – it might have been Matt Walsh who pointed this out. Um, whoever did, thank you. There's some linguistic slippage going on here. Here are two different words, misinformation and disinformation. They are not the same thing they don't have the same connotations. Disinformation is an active campaign. It's propaganda. It's different from misinformation, which is, if it is actually misinformation, merely mistaken information. It doesn't imply an active intent to deceive. So it leaves me with a question about this board. Is this board... To stop disinformation, that is, propaganda campaigns from foreign enemies and foreign powers, or is it about misinformation, and will it be directed at American citizens? I think it's going to be about misinformation, too, don't you? You know, things like Americans noting that the U.S. public health institutions and the government have lied about everything to do with COVID since the beginning— And you see it. You see. Notice the elision below. I'm going to give you one more quote from that article. 95% of Americans identified misinformation as a problem when they're trying to access, there's that word, when they're trying to access important information, according to a poll conducted by the Pearson Institute and the Associated Press NORC, Center for Public Affairs Research. Huh. Was that a Freudian slip? You were talking all about disinformation, but now we're talking about misinformation again, aren't we? So, who's gonna be in charge of this? Dismiss information. (laughs) I'm sorry, I just cracked myself up. Do you remember that old commercial? Swiss Miss Pudding Bars. (laughs) This is gonna be Dismiss Pudding Bars. All right. Well, here's who's gonna be in charge of it. Her name is Nina. Jankowitz. And here's her picture. <laughs> I'd read this tweet to you. She puts this out last week. Here's my official portrait to grab your attention. Now that I've got it, a huge focus of our work and indeed one of the key res- key reasons the board was established is to maintain the department's commitment to protecting free speech, privacy, Civil rights and civil liberties. (laughs) Pull the other one, sweetheart. Take a look at this woman on the screen. I know some of you can't see it. That's why you should be watching this on video. (laughs) Do you trust this woman? Look at her face. Look at the expression on her face. Do you trust this woman? This is not a snapshot that somebody just took that's one small moment in time out of context. This is a posed portrait. And she chose this one. Out of all the outtakes, she chose this one. This is the one she wanted you to see. What does the expression on her face tell you? Hmm? I'll tell you what it tell, well, it's not about the expression. Nina? Sweetie? Uh- No, actually we'll let her speak and then I'll instruct her Um. (laughs) Kevin please roll the video
1: information laundering is really quite ferocious it's when a huckster takes some lies and makes them sound precocious by saying them in Congress or a mainstream outlet so disinformation's origins are slightly less atrocious it's how you hide a little idle lie. It's how you hide a little idle lie. It's how you hide a little idle lie when Rudy Giuliani is that intel from Ukraine. Or when TikTok influencers say COVID can cause pain. They're laundering disinfo and we really should take note and not support their lies with our wallet, voice, or vote. Oh!
2: So this is the point of the show. We're going to say we're kidding. We're making all of this up. It's not really happening in the country you were born in, but it is happening. That's now a law enforcement official. It's also the person you just saw an individual who brags about getting a master's degree from Georgetown University. In case you are wondering if the entire academic credentialing machine that sustains America's ruling class is in fact a joke. Spoiler alert, yes, it is a joke.
0: I just have to say this. Tucker, call me. We should talk. (laughs) This chick is doing Mary Poppins' parody videos as part of her... Public image: Dancing nurses on TikTok, dancing doctors, singing disinformation schoolmarmes. What the hell is it with people in the past five years doing off-Broadway musicals? Why stop singing? Okay, and here's what I'm here's what i going to tell you about. Nina, come here. That red lipstick, sweetie? No. With a face like that, you should avoid drawing attention to the mouthful area, right? You've got a chin like an old Russian woman who stuck a potato in it, all right? Not good. Snark aside, you had better start judging books by their covers. You really had better do that. this, This saying... That we're all taught, it's preschool proverb, don't judge a book by its cover. First, it was always stupid, okay? So why don't you work on forgetting it because it was always dumb? It's stupid advice. It's close your eyes advice. It's shut off your intuition advice. It's stop picking up on signals advice. I don't know why we tell this to children. It works for books but it doesn't work for people. Why does it work for books? Because books are what they are and somebody chooses a cover for them and puts a piece of art on there. It may or may not represent it. It may or may not appeal to your eye and it may or may not reflect the content or the overall tone of the book. But people aren't books. People choose their own covers, okay? Miss Jenkowitz chose this cover Her face is her cover, how she presents herself, her expression, her, now that I've got your attention. This is a conscious and deliberate choice. These conscious and deliberate choices tell you something. They really do. Stop feeling good about yourself by saying, don't judge a book by its cover. That just means that you're going to close your eyes to potential danger signals. Speaking of potential danger signals and and disguises and closing our eyes, Let's talk about wolves in sheep's clothing. I've said before that we need better fairy tale education for children. When I was little, fairy tales were a huge part of my life. Many of the children's shows and short cartoons were based on them. They were in library books, they were in collected fairy tale collections that we had in the house. I'm trying to remember what the, we had a a really thick one with beautiful illustrations. I don't remember if it was Grimm's or someone else's, but we, 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 I don't know if we just don't teach these to children anymore, or I I don't think it's just a matter of times are changing and we don't use this because these stories are timeless. You know, there's, there's, there's nothing about Little Red Riding Hood, for example, which was collected by the Brothers Grimm in the 19th century when they were going around continental Europe collecting folklore as it was orally spoken to them. There's nothing about me in 1978 that made me somehow more able to relate to a story from the 19th century than somebody in 2022. They're equally distant. right? So I, I don't think it's that, well, styles are changing. I think that we're just not talking about the same foundational moral lessons that we used to teach children. Americans, and it may be, I think Canadians do this too, Americans regularly see someone who deliberately puts on the costume of a helper, a capital H helper, and and they just instantly believe that because he's putting on that costume that that's what he is. That is judging a book by its cover. Do you notice that? you're already judging books by their cover. You just respond well to the covers that look friendly and helpful to you. You only say don't judge a book by its cover when you're feeling a little twinge of guilt for thinking that maybe the cover indicates something bad. No, it works in both directions. Here's an example of putting on a a costume as a helper. This is a tweet from socially progressive Christian pastor John Pavlovitz, and I will confess to you that five or six years ago, um, I, I fell for him. I thought he was just such a nice guy. So look, take a look at this, this image. I'll give you his introduction, and then I'll read the image to you. He says, we just launched a platform for compassionate people committed to equity, diversity, and justice. No trolls, no bots, no insurrectionists. No antagonistic billionaires. Mm. Somebody's really upset that Ewan bought a Twitter. <laughs> it's called empatheticpeople.com. <laughs> Is this obvious enough for you? Nod your head with me, audience. I don't want to see anybody out there going, no, I don't know what you're talking about. The answer is yes. Yes, it's obvious enough. Empatheticpeople.com. <laughs> That's going to be a, um, a honeypot for vulnerable narcissists, communal narcissists, the kind of people who get ego gratification out of their status being a nice, helpy, help-help person. They actually just like controlling other people. This is their costume. We're empathetic. Anybody who describes themselves as empathetic should raise a question in your mind. It's like people who describe themselves as humble. (laughs) And let me twist the knife a little further, especially for you religious people especially for you Protestants. When I go online and I see somebody's account that says Reverend John Smith or The Right Reverend or Reverend Doctor, these honorifics and courtesy titles are things that other people bestow on us. They are not things that we bestow on ourselves. Naming yourself Reverend John Smith is the same thing as saying, I am the most humble person in the world. I want to show you one more picture of John Pavlovitz. Take a look at him. By itself, no context. Okay. Attractive man, middle aged, looks nice, he's smiling. There's not niceness behind that smile. I have watched this man for years on social media. He demonizes and dehumanizes anyone who is at all to the right of him. He calls them these people. He's abusive, and he gets away with it. He, he, he calls people who are more conservative than him immoral. Uh, lacking conscience. I've seen him call people that he disagrees with sociopathic. Now, of course, I've called people that I disagree with sociopathic, but I don't call them sociopathic because they disagree with me. I call them that because they're actual psychopaths. There's a difference. He's abusive, but he gets away with it because he smiles enough, right? He's got sort of a, a slightly more attractive Mr. Rogers thing going on about him. This is a wolf... Not a sheep, sweetheart. He's just wearing a sheep costume. All right. Let us round this out with a callback to an earlier episode. Think back a couple of episodes when we talked about how feminized male models have become in in advertisements. So we'll put the picture up here. This is from, I I guess actually... I know I'm supposed to. I'm supposed to pronounce it click, but I, I refuse to. I'm going to pronounce it the way it's spelled, which is Qlick, and apparently Qlick is part of um, Intuit, which is which has uh, QuickBooks, the accounting software. So we've got this guy here who's posed like a lady. When your data is smarter and more trustworthy than your gut, everything Qlicks,
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: and we got this dude who's in this feminized. Shoulders forward pose with his big, goofy, supplicant, pliant smile on his face. Holding coffee. He's like, you know, "Mm, hi. And and the legend says, change your job title to VP of Yubacha. (laughs) Yubacha. (laughs) Well, there is another side. This is their latest ad with a female model. Let's take a look at this one. For this one, it's a a, a young woman. um, She doesn't seem to be quite as submissively posed as the man. I don't know. Maybe you have a different read on it. Uh, But she, she looks more confident and assertive. And as well, she might because her legend is change your job title to president of never being wrong. Now, ain't that a kick in the soft bits? <laughs> Caitlyn's never wrong. She's the president of never being wrong. She's not a helpmeet, she's a girl boss. The helpmeets are the boys now. <laughs> uh, all right, time for a break, but first, it's time for a reminder please subscribe to us on audio you get three audio shows a week that you will not get here on youtube so go to iheartradio itunes google podcasts spotify anywhere pandora anywhere that you get your podcast that's where you need to subscribe and we will see you on the other side You know how podcasters are always asking you to hit the subscribe button well this is us asking you to take a minute right now and be sure you've hit subscribe on your favorite video platform click that notification bell too so you never miss our newest content and don't forget to subscribe on audio too we have audio only content that you won't find on any video platform so don't miss out do you like disaffected do you like it enough to help pay for it We'd love to have your support to grow and maintain this show. Donors get special access to our monthly Zoom hangouts. They're off camera and unscripted. We talk about what you want to talk about. There are two ways to join. Patreon users can go to patreon.com disaffected or visit subscribestar.com disaffected. Welcome back. As you know, somebody who works in the Supreme Court leaked a 5-4 to four draft opinion this past week that would overturn Roe versus Wade. And this has made everybody lose their ever-loving minds. The f- first and most important thing to me is to point out how unprecedented this is. There may have been other cases of Court opinions being leaked, but I don't remember anything this consequential ever being deliberately leaked to the press and leaked to Politico of all places. This is an attempt to intimidate the conservative justices who voted to overturn Roe versus Wade. We've already got people showing up at some of their homes dressed in Handmaid's tail costumes and... Uh, Clothing that looks suspiciously like Antifa. And the Antifa-looking people, actually they were in front of the Supreme Court as well, were shouting, stack the court, stack the court, stack the court, stack the court. Yeah. Do you know that it's a federal crime to intimidate a judge? It is. And that includes doing things like protesting outside the place they're living in. Because this is really serious. You don't hear this on the mainstream media. Do you know who reminded me that this is a federal crime? I knew that, but I'd forgotten. Tucker Carlson. Haven't heard it on any other major media. And while I don't watch them, I do pay attention to them. I look at them online. I have not read this entire decision. It's 98 pages long. I may read it. Um, But I have read some excerpts. And I don't think that a lot of people who are extremely upset about it have even read the excerpts. Because when some of the key ones have been put in front of them, they won't take it in. They won't acknowledge the words. They won't even acknowledge that they've seen it. They just keep repeating the same exaggerated emotional claims. This decision, again, if I'm wrong about this, if you've read it and you find that I'm making a mistake, please leave a comment. I do want to be corrected. But this decision does not outlaw abortion in the United States. That's number one. Number two, it does not take away our rights to abortion. That's factually untrue. Roe versus Wade is a decision that said women have a constitutional right to medical privacy that includes abortion. What the decision did was to say it is not acceptable and it is not constitutional for individual U.S. states to have laws on abortion that are stricter than, than what we have got here on the federal bench. Um, well, actually, no, that's, that's not the right way to say it. Um that Roe versus Wade takes away the power of the states to um, regulate abortion uh, to to the fullest extent. There have been Supreme Court cases after Roe versus Wade that have modified that uh, in some ways. But this decision, if this decision stands, the one that was leaked, if that stands, what it will do, it won't it doesn't take abortion rights away returns the right to regulate abortions completely to the states. You may not like that. You may like it. You may not like it. But that is a fact. Um, it's a fact that hasn't penetrated many minds out there on the left. And even, even in the center, I'm seeing people who are getting really upset about this and saying it's taking away rights. No, it's not. And they're saying it's anti-democratic. How? Returning the power to decide public policy to each individual state and the voters and constituents who reside therein is the very definition of democracy. That's what it means. Letting people vote on this at a more local level, at a state level. This is part of our federalist system. It's not anti-democratic. That's your emotions. That's not your brain. Turn your brain back on. Put your emotions down for a nap please. I have avoided this topic on the show, but I can't avoid it any longer. My views on abortion. They are unsettled. Here's what I can tell you. I cannot honestly say that I believe a fetus in the first month, second month, or even third month, and I'm not sure about this. Unsettled. Remember that. Unsettled. I can't honestly tell you that I think that that first clump of cells or fetus in very early stages of development, I don't see it as morally equivalent to a fully formed human infant. I don't. I could be wrong about that. I understand that I could be wrong about that. And I'm willing to listen to people challenge me on that. But I'm just telling you my honest, the outcome of my thought process honestly. This is where I'm at right now. To me, it's a matter of brain development and the fact that such an early fetus has no experience of the world and no interests in the world comparable to even a child who's just been born. The brain hasn't developed the ability to experience those things the same way a fully formed person has. And again, you may disagree with me or you may think even if that is the case, Josh, it's a moral wrong. I understand that. Just telling you where I'm coming from and why. Um, But I do know that I also can't accept that there is no line to be drawn at all. That abortion should just be available on demand at any point in the pregnancy up until the last day of the ninth month. I can't accept that. I do see a difference between pulling a baby out of the womb at nine months and quote-unquote aborting it and doing a dilation and extraction in the first trimester. The abortion in the first trimester is not the same thing as doing this at the end of nine months. And when we do it at the end of nine months, we have a perfectly serviceable word for that. It's not partial birth abortion. It's not a late-term abortion. It's called infanticide. Virginia Delegate Kathy Tran in the Virginia legislature. Some of you will remember this. We're going to go back to 2019. Let's roll that tape, Kevin.
2: Delegate Tran. Yes, sir. How late in a pregnancy would your bill apply if a physician was simply willing to certify that that the uh, continuation of the pregnancy would impair the mental health of, of the woman? How, how late are we talking about? In
1: well, so... So the way the suggestion that we've um, made in the bill is to say it's in the third uh, trimester and at the you know with the certification of the physician. So,
2: so how late in the third trimester would you be able to do, to do that?
1: You know, I'm, it's very unfortunate that our, the, our physicians uh, our witnesses were not able to attend today to speak specifically. No, I'm to talking
2: that. about your bill. How, how, yeah, how late? I mean, how late in the third trimester could a, a physician? perform an abortion if he indicated it would impair the mental health of the, of the woman?
1: Or physical health. Okay. Okay.
2: I'm I'm Um, talking about the mental health.
1: So, I mean, through the third trimester. The third trimester goes all the way up to 40 weeks.
2: Okay. But to the end of the third trimester?
1: Yep. I don't think we have a limit in the bill.
2: So, um... where it's obvious that a woman <laughs> is about to give birth. She has physical signs of, of that she is about to give birth. Would that still be a point at which she could request an abortion if she was so certified? She's dilating.
1: Uh, Mr. Chairman, that would be a, you know, a decision that the doctor, the physician and the woman would make. I understand that. I'm point. asking if
2: your bill allows that.
1: My bill would allow that. Yes.
0: Okay. All those silences after he asked a question, she's just standing there like a deer, caught in headlights. She doesn't know what to say. You know why? Because she knows she's wrong. Kevin reminded me of this. We were talking about this as we got ready for the show. He said, she knows she's wrong. She knows this is immoral, but she just wasn't expecting to be called on it because she has nothing to say. He asks her a direct question, and that direct, very simple question that she does in fact understand is, does this, does your bill allow abortion all the way up to the last day of the third trimester? And he made it even clearer for her, saying the woman is dilating. She's about to give birth. Does your bill apply to that? She finally had to say yes. But she tried to get around it by saying it's very unfortunate that our medical, um, Uh, professionals couldn't testify. He's like, I'm not asking about that. And she knows he's not asking about that. She knows she's wrong. I don't know what motivated her to bring this bill. I don't know what pressures were brought to bear on her. I have no idea whether she has a moral quandary within herself, but I do know that she was willing to bring this bill forward, but she's not willing to defend it. When I was a teenager, I worked as you know, many of you as, as a waiter in a restaurant. And I had a friend there named Candace, not her real name. So you can't go back and, uh, can't go back and try to find out who this was in my life. She was a coworker and, um, I was 16 years old when I worked with her. She was a woman in her thirties. She already had a couple of kids. I paid for an abortion for her. She didn't have the money. It was $200. That's what I remember. Candace had had an affair with a man while her husband was deployed in Iraq. And I really, you know, I thought about this a lot over the years and it was only recently that it occur- that that I saw it for what it really was. Whew! I'm telling you. I really did think that I was doing something good for her, that I was I was going to keep her from being abused by her husband. What I did was I paid for her to abort a child that she was carrying because she was an adulteress who lied to her husband and jeopardized the family structure that she had already built with a husband and two children. That's what I did. This is how deranged one's moral compass can become when you are stuck in A world where only one outcome is allowed. And we're in that world right now. Abortion on demand, no questions. That's what the far left wants. And the far left is calling the tune for the mainstream left. I know. I know that most leftists out there and most women don't want abortion on demand at any time for any reason. But that normal and ordinary sentiment is not being reflected. (sighs) <sighs> so let's take a look at some of the other reactions that that happened this week. First one from Polka, um, Liz Warren, Senator Liz Warren. Can we roll that, please? Senator, how are
1: you feeling? I am angry.
3: Angry and upset? Angry and upset and determined. Mm-hmm. The United States Congress can keep Roe versus <laughs> Wade the law of the land.
1: They just need to do it. I- I've never seen you so angry. You s- seem to be... This is what...
3: The Republicans have been working toward this day for decades. They have been out there plotting, carefully cultivating these Supreme Court justices so they could have a majority on the bench who would accomplish something that the majority of Americans do not want. Sixty-nine percent of people across this country. Across this country, red states and blue states, old people and young people want Roe versus Wade to maintain we don't as want the law dismember the land. The wool, we ma'am. need to and do we're that, no, we're not and we have a right, extremists, we've heard enough the from the extremists, and we're tired of Senator, the door for the constitutional leader.
0: So she says, we've heard enough from the extremists and we're tired of it. Is the man at the end who's pointing out the dismemberment that occurs in some abortions, particularly the later ones, is he the extremist? Is he one of the extremists you're tired of, Liz? Or are you the extremist? Notice also her Disney villainess eyebrows. It really does track, doesn't it? That's not natural. This is a grooming choice. Again, she's choosing... This is a book who's choosing her own cover consciously. She's got them plucked right off her natural orbital ridge and drawn on way higher on top. My friend used to call these Lucy, Lucille Ball surprised eyebrows. um, But I think of them as as wicked queen eyebrows. We've got a very short follow-up video um, from the same day when Liz... um, Humped her hot pink self over to the uh, front steps of the Supreme Court and had this to say, or this to scream. we for,
3: going for decades now, and we are going to fight.
0: That was a tiny little six-second clip from one that was slightly longer, and that, and she she sounds exactly the same, and she's gesticulating, she's jabbing her finger, she's you know she's waving herself around, she's really losing it a lot of people have said that's a performance that's a performance it might be it might be partially a performance but i think she, i think it's real i think she's angry i think she is fucking furious that guttural scream the break in the voice we are
3: tired of it
0: she's bloodthirsty but she's mostly angry at having her will thwarted She's angry that she can't stop the legal process. She's angry that her desires are not taking precedence over the constitution. And somebody on social media responded to this and I thought the comment was worth reading. He said, "Quote, I don't care if a man is a liberal, conservative, moderate or whatever. There is something in the voice of women like Hillary Clinton and Liz Warren. It's a particular type of" of tone or speech pattern that hits directly down the spine of most men in a way that reminds them of every awful woman he's ever dealt with. It's deeply visceral. Liberal men just won't admit it. End quote. Correct. Correct. That's my mother. That's that lady on the plane from several episodes ago screaming at the Trump supporter. And, and the way this affects men, I, I think the analog in women is women in Donald Trump. He His bombastic, over-the-top gesticulations remind them of the asshole abusive men that they've had in their lives, and I can understand that. It's, it's kind of some of the things that that turned me off about Donald Trump so much myself. What you're seeing here, this is narcissistic rage. That's what the term narcissistic rage means, and there's a lot of it and a lot of histrionic meltdowns. Let's take a look at some of those tweet from somebody named John Fetterman. I mean, I I pulled out like six or seven of these, but just there's countless thousands. He says, let's be clear. The right to abortion is sacred. Democrats have to act quickly, get rid of the filibuster to pass the Women's Health Protection Act and finally codify Roe into law. We cannot afford to wait. Sacred. The right to abortion is sacred. Oh, so those crazy mean right-wingers are actually right. You do think abortion is a sacrament. You do. (laughs) Well, the feminists. If men can have abortions, abortion would be a sacrament. Piss off, ladies. It's already a sacrament to you. More projection from feminists. It's so sacred we have to end the filibuster and we have to stack the courts. That's how sacred it is. Next one. Oh, this is great. This is great. Um a mélange of histrionica put together from my favorite account on Twitter libs of TikTok. Listen to this. <laughs> law goes beyond a woman's issue and it goes beyond anything you can ever imagine the societal implications of this are going to be insane the amount of uh, just pain and damage this is going to cause and the full ability to tell a woman what she can and can't do with her body and we're going back
3: into a handmaid's tale society here all of you women who sat home all of you young girls Adults over 18 years old who did not go out and vote, who did not think that you need to protect your womb. We're now back in the dark ages. Um, Brace yourselves, ladies. I'm with you. My heart is just broken. I don't understand why this country hates women so much. I just don't understand it. We'll get through this. We'll figure out a way.
4: (laughs) No more joking about it being a handmaid's tale. It will be.
0: Yeah. That second one in there. (laughs) It goes beyond anything you can imagine. No, it doesn't. No, no, it doesn't. And I'm sorry, I'm going to have to break the fourth wall a little bit here uh, because I can't communicate to Kevin without you all hearing me do it. We are going to go a little bit longer in this segment. Kevin, sorry about that, but I saved you a few on the first one. Next one is a, a tweet from Congresswoman Angie Craig from Minnesota. And she says, overturning Roe versus Wade means government mandated pregnancy. Let that sink in for a minute and commit to work like hell with me to get the government out of your health care. <laughs> yeah, it means government mandated pregnancy. Nope. All right, apparently we're gonna have to do some 101 education on here. So for those of you who had a brain tumor for breakfast, here are five ways to avoid being pregnant and having a child. Number one, Close your legs. Number two, wait wait until marriage. Number three, birth control pills. Number four, condoms. And number five, close your legs. Yes, <laughs> I have closed your legs in there twice because that's the real sticking point. I saw somebody on social media the other day and I've seen more than one of these. All pregnancies start with a penis, so why don't you regulate that? Yeah? Is that so? Also starts with a pussy, doesn't it, sweetie? So why don't we regulate that, too? Women do not want to take fuck-all of responsibility for themselves when it comes to this. It is unbelievable. I didn't realize until this week how deranged so many of these abortion advocates are. Unbelievable. (laughs) Next one I've got for you is from California Senator Melissa Melendez. Listen to this. To combat the Roe versus Wade decision, Democrats in California have introduced Senate Bill 1142, which would invite women across the country to come to California for an abortion paid for by California. Planned Parenthood is salivating at the thought of all the money they will make. <laughs> yeah, I bet they are. <laughs> ah. Wow. This one uh, this one resurfaced this week. I've been meaning to clip this. I want you to look at this tweet from somebody called Hannah M. Says. And this is the picture of Hannah. She's a young mom in her early 30s. And she's got baby and she's showing you the book she's reading to her baby in the picture. And it says this. My bub will grow up knowing that sometimes a body makes a baby and sometimes it doesn't, and none of that is wrong or secret or shameful. All of it is worthy of love and support and truth-telling and space in our lives. And what book is she reading to her—this looks like a two-year-old? The title, What's an Abortion Anyway? She's reading a book about abortion to a two-year-old baby, her two-year-old baby. Sometimes a mommy makes a baby and sometimes she sucks it out and puts it down the drain. That's so wholesome. What is wrong with a mother like this? This is deranged. This poor child. And, and you know, ugh, forget it. Next one. I have no idea who this woman is, but I saw a whole bunch of like, you know, shout your abortion. Woman looks like she's about my age, mid 40s sort of maniacal religious ecstasy expression on her face and a T-shirt that says, I've had 21 abortions, exclamation point. Surely you must be entitled to at least one free by now. Get your ticket punched. Or how about this one? This hot girl in her little lemons, notice that she's wearing leggings because of course she is, and she has to feature them in the photograph. It's a It's a picture of a birthday cake. And you think the birthday cake says, it's a boy, But she altered it. It's uh, aborted. She made an abortion cake. Yeah. I'm not one to get up in people's faces or talk to them personally about whether they had an abortion or made some other choice. It's not my business. It's not how I roll. I'll talk about it broadly, but I'm not going to sit and criticize someone's individual decisions. But for God's sake, this isn't anything to be proud of. Don't shout your abortion. Don't celebrate your abortion. You get... uh, I... I, I'm not even some, I don't want to see all abortion outlawed under every circumstance. I'm not that extreme. But my God, these women are bloodthirsty. They are, they're doing happy clappy over this. It's, you know, there is daylight between shame and celebration. There's a middle ground there. You, You might start with the concept of modesty. I know it's, I know it's archaic, but you know. And it also, it also bothers me, this lack of, 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 of willingness of, of women on the left to take responsibility, it's not just the far left. It's, it's, it seems to me that it's most women on the left, even the moderates, especially when it comes to the question of abortion. I think they have been trained for so long that they don't have responsibility that they literally think they don't. It doesn't compute with them. I saw somebody, and I guess you're going to see or hear yourself on the show, Twitter Mutual, somebody who was talking about my show um, and someone had recommended it and this Twitter Mutual said uh, that she had recommended it as well. But of course she was talking to her mostly feminist friends, and she had to pre-apologize. So she said, um, she likes the show, but he blames women for everything, was what she said. No, he doesn't. I hold women responsible for their own actions, just like you hold men responsible for theirs. But you hold men responsible for your actions too, don't you? Yeah, the answer is yes. The pushback you get is, we're just socialized to be nice. We're socialized to be accommodating. Okay, right. Who's doing the socializing? Who specifically? Name them. Name them and then delineate them by sex. Who specifically, ladies, is doing the socializing? Hmm? It, it seems to me that this is how, like, how women and and— Aunties in Middle Eastern and African countries, the ones who hold girls down to get their clitorises cut off and their vaginas sewn up as part of what we call female genital mutilation. Yet it's patriarchy that's doing it to them, even though the surgeons and the holder downers are all women. But men made them do it, right? They have to cut they have to cut their daughter's clitorises off or, or a man will be mad at them, right? It's not their not their responsibility. I'm going to show you this graphic. This is from Billboard Chris. Chris Elston, he's been on our show. You know him. He wears a sandwich board and protests against transing children. And he tweeted the other day, he's in front of Brown University in Rhode Island, and he said, today, um, virtually every young woman at Brown University today was against our message, and all the young men except for one were in favor. Moms and dads, talk to your daughters before the transgender craze seduces them. It is a fact, listeners and Twitter mutuals, it is a fact that women far outnumber men in terms of enforcing trans ideology, enforcing it in institutions, enforcing it in HR departments, socially enforcing it, punishing other women for non-enforcing it. That is a fact. It does not matter how bad it makes you feel. It is a fact. And I have a former friend who's a moderately well-known feminist who's been on conservative media several times. And I give her credit for this. She's against the trans incursion into women's sports and women's spaces. And conservative media are the only one who will give her a chance. And she goes on with that apology. And she is to be given credit for that. Um, But there are reasons why she's a former friend. And I recall her telling me about Chris Elston that he was just a narcissistic man who was doing this for attention. That's funny because I see Chris out there literally getting his arm broken. I see him being thrown out of meeting rooms and I see him being spit on and screamed at and having the police called at him because he wears the sandwich board that says children cannot consent to puberty blockers. You know what I think? I think you're just jealous. That's what I think. Um, going to skip over that. And, Kevin, we're going to go to B-13. I want to give Nurse Casey the last word in this segment, if we could please roll that. You remember Nurse Casey, everybody. She's been on on the show.
3: So this morning the conversation is going on with Roe v. Wade and abortion being banned on the federal level. Okay, so um, while looking into the information of this case and looking at comments and stuff, I just wanted to drop this real quick thought off. Actually, two thoughts Number one, we're getting ready to see a lot of borderline females make this their cause and own it, you know? I'm going to call it out how I see it. Like, you don't know what it's like because X, Y, Z, and I had to have this abortion because X, Y, Z telling men that they shouldn't be in the conversation. Men, you should, you can be in the conversation. You don't even need me to tell you that you can be in the conversation, okay? So I don't like that when I see women do that with men, like, You shouldn't even, you don't have the right to talk about this. You don't know it's my body. But you were so excited about your body to say that, but you didn't think about your body when you were making decisions that could get you pregnant, okay? Of course, there are outlying circumstances. I'm not here to judge anybody, but I will say this. I have heard women in my life say, um, women that I've known say something like, well, I didn't feel like using a condom, okay? So... Let us not make it, you know, sound like, oh, this is a thing that's supposed to help women. We must, must, must do it. Okay. So there's a lot of selfishness that goes along with this decision. And um, of course, I'm not saying everybody, but I've heard a lot of selfishness with this decision. Okay. So I'm just saying women, let's try not to get too borderline with the situation or too righteous because many of us have not been righteous in making the decision. All right.
0: Casey, I love you. We're going to take a break, but I'd like to ask you for your help. It costs money to do this show. We'd really love to have your support. There are two ways to do it. If you like this and you'd like to help us continue, please go to patreon.com disaffected or subscribestar.com disaffected. We'll see you after the break. You know how podcasters are always asking you to hit the subscribe button? Well, this is us asking you to take a minute right now and be sure you've hit subscribe on your favorite video platform. Click that notification bell, too, so you never miss our newest content. And don't forget to subscribe on audio, too. We have audio-only content that you won't find on any video platform, so don't miss out. Do you like Disaffected? Do you like it enough to help pay for it? We'd love to have your support to grow and maintain this show. Donors get special access to our monthly Zoom hangouts. They're off camera and unscripted. We talk about what you want to talk about. There are two ways to join. Patreon users can go to patreon.com disaffected or visit subscribestar.com disaffected. Welcome back. Will you share us on social media? Word of mouth is the best way to grow viewership and listenership for the show. And if you don't want to share us on social media, tell a friend privately. Thanks. Appreciate it. Okay. So we have got, what I'm doing here is I'm setting my timer. We've got 10 minutes because I went blah, blah, blah. So let's see how much fun we can pack into 10 minutes. Okay. Kevin, let's roll right into Troons in bathing suits.
4: Hey, hi, can we ponder a situation real quick? So you see me walking down the beach and you're like, oh my God, that's an attractive woman. And then you go back to doing what it is that you're doing. Like in your mindset, you're like, wow, if they came over and talked to me, I would still talk to them back. And then through whatever circumstance possible, you find out that I'm a trans woman. If you sit there and then tell yourself that you no longer find me attractive, I want you to ask yourself one simple question. Why are you telling yourself what you're attracted to rather than accepting what your body clearly views as natural attraction? Like Even if you have the thing where you're like, you found me attractive, but you believe trans women are men, then what does that say about yourself? Because you still found me attractive. And cutting through all the bullshit, even if you are okay with trans individuals and you accept us as women, but you don't want to date us, I still want you to sit there and ask yourself, why did I find them attractive? And then all of a sudden when I found out they're trans, my brain can no longer find them attractive. It's you forcing yourself onto a belief because of predisposition. You don't have to date us. I just want you to ask yourself why you're making your brain turn down natural attraction. Stay safe, homies.
0: <laughs> don't you wish your girlfriend was hot like me? <laughs> Listen to you. If you find out through whatever means that I'm trans, dude, it's your stick straight body and those bolted-on fun bags. It's like that um the prosti- the transsexual prostitute robot in Futurama. Uh, when she gets ready to go out um, and work the corner, she bolts her tits on. And then you tell yourself that you're no longer attracted to me. No, sweetheart, it's not telling yourself. It's your dick is telling you they're not attracted to you. Here's a quick story from listener. Uh, and friend of the show, Jack Buckby. And Jack is an interesting guy. You may want to look him up. He is a former uh, self, self-admitted self former far-right winger from England um, who changed his mind. And he wrote a book about it called Monster of Their Own Making. Anyway, Jack drove up to Vermont, not to my part of the state, but um, he drove up to Vermont with his wife for a weekend and told this story. Holy shit, Josh, Vermont is insane. So I drove an hour to the fish and chip shop. And it has COVID protocols. No entering the shop. You have to call them in order. And they leave the food by the back door to pick it up. I was frustrated. But my wife said, we drove here, so let's just do it. I call, no answer on the phone. Just an automated thing saying to call back later. But the store was open And there's a woman in there ignoring the fact that I'm standing outside in front of her trying to order fish and chips by calling her. So I leave. And as I'm walking away, a man in an LGBTQ rainbow tube skirt and a black mask over an N95 mask walks by me. People have lost their fucking minds. Yes, Jack, they have. Yes, they have. And the only reason I'm still here is because I can't afford to leave yet. Ah, <laughs> uh, ah. Uh, okay. I saw this on social media. It is it just what the stuff they're advertising today. I swear. Take a look at this. This is this is a breast binder from a company called <laughs> For Them Wellness. It sounds like one of my fake commercials. (laughs) Misogynics for them. (laughs) She's got a picture of this thing, and it says, the binder that moves and breathes with you. And the strap line is, comfort plus gender euphoria equals the binder. Oh, my God. Built by and for the queer community.
3: Ugh. Ugh.
0: (laughs) This one's a little disturbing. Let's look at drag kids.
1: Welcome to the Pink Palace, my lovely friend.
0: I first discovered drag at 13. I didn't know what it was, but I knew I wanted it. This is children. Children are on this show about dry cleans. I'm so pretty!
1: My drag name is Vanessa Shimmer, and she is just a force you cannot reckon with.
0: This is a little boy. How
3: do I parent a child that wants to do drag? I never
2: expected drag to be a part of our lives.
3: Oh my God, these are so cute.
2: These are problems I never thought I had to prepare for.
3: What I love about drag is
1: the glitz and the glam. My name is Noah and I'm transgender. Have you talked to mom and dad about the pictures? What do you think of taking those photos down? The constant reminder that we had oh to Oh my
0: God, her voice is so annoying.
3: <laughs> do you think i, oh, wow, I was I a boy. Can do drag? How do I explain this to my child that she doesn't fully accept Novella? Making friends has been a hard thing for me to do. When I'm becoming Nemo, whoa! Become more confident. Let me
1: make sure you are appropriately fluffed. (laughs) This transition has been difficult for them, but they try and that's all you can ask for.
3: It's important for kids to understand that they're not
0: alone. So my mom started Draguton. Kids and their families are coming from all over the country where we get to be our true self.
4: Oh, God. Mm. This is happening. It's Vanessa Shimmer!
0: This is a place of love and support because
4: we need that in this world. This is me, and you better like it.
0: On the Discovery Channel, Generation Drag, it's just the new toddlers in tiaras from executive producer, supermodel Tyra Banks. Or the new Jazz Jennings, how long until these kids get their bits chopped off. I trust I don't have to say very much more about that. Okay, we're going to end with story time. I was reading an old psychology article. I can't remember what it was, um, but it was great because it was old enough that it was from an era when... Psychology and psychiatry, the literature, was allowed to tell the truth about things that you are not allowed to tell the truth about anymore. And this article noted the, um, the high rate of histrionic traits in gay men, noting that they're often good mimics. <laughs> Aren't they, though? <laughs> I mean, think of before this nonsense, think of drag. Think of drag-style comedy. Think of the kinds of, of humor that, that you are used to hearing from gay men. It's full of impressions and impersonations. And, you know, like I do the voice on the show. I do some other voices. And it, I think this, this style of, of impression, I'm not the only one who does this, obviously, but it's not, um, it's not an impersonation. What it is is it's an auditory caricature. It's not actually a perfect mimicry. It's exaggerating the distinctive features of a voice uh, so that it becomes recognizable just the way a caricature artist will draw a picture that exaggerates someone's big chin or their big hair, or whatever it is. And it doesn't look exactly like them, but instantly you can see who it is. Uh, I think that's, that's what I try to do. So I want to tell you about... I want to tell you about Shelby. Now, Shelby was the publisher at... A chicken dinner newspaper that I worked at right after college. It was my first real professional job, a weekly community newspaper. And Shelby looked like a cross between a retired Mary Kay saleswoman and Endora from Bewitched. She had that teased up ginger brown backcombed shellacked hair, full mask of makeup. And these great big pink acrylic claws. And all of her jewelry was gold. And she came to work. She drove a white Cadillac Sedan DeVille with little pink accents inside and gold rims on the outside. She came touring up in that boat. I still be coming. So we didn't have the internet. This was, I think, 1999. My coworkers decided that it was my job. To go back to Shelby's office and persuade her to get us Internet access so that we could stop using the fax machine and having to retype everything. So Shelby's got this back office where she molders all day after she walks through the place looking at people like this. What is you working on? <laughs> so I go back and I explain to her that we need the Internet. And she'll be sitting there looking at me like this, drumming her fingers. I've been working here since 19 and six to seven, And we don't need no internet. I tried to argue the point, but I, I wasn't going to get anywhere. And and she ended the meeting this way. She says, okay then why don't you write me up something and leave it here on my (laughs) desk? That's the show. See you next week.